Welcome into the Most Accurate Podcast. My name is Anthony Stalter. Alongside me is John Paulson, 444.com. Uh, you, John, you, you just made a, a very funny quip to me that I that I actually wanted to, to take on air. You said, hey, let's let's talk some tight ends. And I called, Absolutely. You, I called you dirty. But that's what we're going to do today. <laughs> Sounds good. We've already covered quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers. If you haven't listened to those episodes, make sure that you go back, give them a listen. Uh, the meat of John's rankings and how he views guys and a couple of things for me as well. We'll be back in those episodes. Obviously, if there's updated information, we'll certainly get to that. Today, we're going to do a deep dive into the tight end position. So we're calling this, you guessed it, the tight end position or the tight end <laughs> the tight end episode <laughs> is what I meant. I had a tight end position in my head, the tight end episode. Before we do that, uh, tell us about the music, John. Uh, yeah, this is a side project. Uh of the uh, the Sheepdogs, who are a Canadian band. If you don't know who the Sheepdogs are, go listen to Feeling Good uh, on Spotify immediately. Uh, but this is a side project. It's called Bros, B-R-O-S. Uh, the name of the track is Tell Me. That's off their uh, 2016 album called Volume 1. Uh, and I will add it to the uh, Most Accurate Podcast uh, playlists uh, momentarily. So check it out. All right, before we cover the latest news, I got a couple of housekeeping items first. Be sure to use the code TMAP, the most accurate podcast, just the letters TMAP, to get 10% off any 444 subscription. Also, be sure to check out 444's other podcast, DFS MVP, with TJ Hernandez and Holden Kushner, and Holden's solo pod, which is called Fantasy First, which is a short daily podcast that keeps listeners up to date on the latest fantasy news. Speaking of news, John, I want to talk about the uh, latest news right before our pod, before we started recording our podcast. Saquon Barkley missed his ninth straight practice today for the Giants. He's dealing with a hamstring injury. How concerned are you about the hamstring problem right now for Saquon? Well, in general, uh, August hamstring injuries aren't good. You'd rather have your players not have them. Uh, but it is keeping him off the field so he can't tear his ACL. So that's one plus. Uh, he is, you know, out on the practice field working with trainers and stuff. So it's not like they have him just sequestered back in the locker room or in the training room a hundred percent of the time. So I think he's just being, they're being real cautious with him. They obviously know that he's a huge part of their offense heading into this season. So I wouldn't, uh, be any less, uh, uh inclined to draft him in the middle of the first round. I think he's going to have a great, Gonna have a great year. All right, let's talk about Josh Gordon. He's back. And Browns coach Hugh Jackson said that Gordon will resume practicing, quote, very soon. He's been working off to the side since his arrival at Browns training camp last weekend, but could be cleared to practice as soon as Saturday. This is kind of an interesting dilemma for fantasy owners, John, because the the, the talent is obvious. Uh, He gets an upgraded upgraded quarterback working with Tyrod Taylor, although he's, he's made guys like Brian Hoyer look good. The talent's there. The situation seems to be pretty good. Uh, new offensive coordinator working with Todd Haley now. Where do you see him going, and what do you think his appropriate value is when it comes to drafts? Well, I, I think Josh Gordon, you know, truthers are going to be disappointed in my answer. I just I have a hard time getting too excited about his return and his upside this year. Uh, he has played 10 games since his monstrous season in 2013. He had 87 catches, 1,646 yards, and nine touchdowns that year. Um, he's played 10 games since then. So of a possible 64 games, he's played 10. So right there is a giant red flag. Now, he seems to have everything together. 
Uh, he's, I believe he's eligible to play. There was no uh, failed drug test as far as we know. Um, but, you know, he's another failed test away from, you know, missing significant time. Uh, in the 10 games that he's played since that monstrous season, he's uh, played at a rate of 67 catches, 1,020 yards. I think he only had one touchdown in that, uh, in those 10 games. But we don't worry too much about that because touch, touchdowns will tend to re- uh, regress to the mean. Um, he was seeing 142 targets. Uh, he was playing at that kind of pace, 142 target pace. So he had 67 catches on 142 targets. So the catch rate's not good. Now the quarterbacking wasn't very good during this stretch either. So there, that's the plus here. I think you're going to see an upgrade with, you know, Tyrod Taylor is the greatest passer in the world, but he's capable. Baker Mayfield might be very good at passing the football. We'll see if he is in the NFL. Um, but I, I wonder about his volume. Uh, I don't see him getting 120 even targets. Maybe he does, but he's certainly not going to get 140. I don't think with, with Jarvis Landry, um, coming over from the Dolphins. I mean, Landry saw 160 targets last year. I realize it's a different offense, uh, but Landry's very good at soaking up targets and he's going to affect Gordon's, um, uh, his workload. So right now, Gordon is going 46th in MFL 10s over the last three days. Uh, consensus rankings of my peers have him at 24 and PPR. I have him at, like in the low thirties, um, like 33. So I would take a stab at him maybe in the sixth round, uh, but he's going in the late fourth, and there's just too many guys there that I would rather have, like Golden Tate or Allen Robinson, um, Demarius Thomas, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, Jarvis Landry, those types of guys. Um, so for me, it's I'm probably not going to get him, uh, and I, I just think he's too risky uh, at that price. Adrian Peterson, also back. This one's interesting to me. So a week ago I, I said on our podcast, John, that I – I'm not touching any back in Seattle, and I just don't want. I just don't want to deal with it. I don't want to try to play the the, the guessing game. I'm not a huge fan of Brian Schottenheimer, who's the new offense coordinator there. I have similar feelings about Washington, but for different reasons. I don't. I'm not going to touch the backfield. I thought Darius Geis was the only guy to, to own really there. I know that Chris Thompson's got a lot of potential, but they sign Adrian Peterson. They throw him into the mix with not only Chris Thompson but Rob Kelly and Samaj P. Ryan. I don't like it. I know the deal isn't guaranteed, so maybe he doesn't even make the de- maybe doesn't even make the roster. Uh, but those are my thoughts on the Washington backfield. I don't think I'll take any Redskins running back this year in any drafts. Well, since we're in a lead together, I encourage you not to draft Chris Thompson because I plan to draft Chris Thompson. I think he's going to be great <laughs> PPR formats. So you just go ahead and continue. That's fine. Um, well, in in fairness, in fairness to me, I will say this: running running back wise, I'm I'm pretty good. I got Fournette, and I have the first pick, so I, I'm probably going to take Saquon Barkley. Uh, so oh. hey, you you have your Chris Thompson. I'll take the young studs, and um, maybe I can win a game this year. Yeah, it must it must be nice to draft near the top of the first <laughs> round every year. Um, this is what you get when you tank. All right, you tank. <laughs> You reset, you get a better roster, and then you go You go from there. The, all the smart when, general managers are doing it, John. When is the reset going to happen, though? That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> anyway, uh, Peterson. Uh, so, I, yeah, I think Chris Thompson's a great value in the fifth, sixth round. He's going in the middle of the sixth right now, so I, I love that value. Anyway, uh, Adrian Peterson, I don't think he's a – I think he downgrades Thompson a little bit because maybe there are 10 or 20 carries that Thompson would have gotten um, – 
without Peterson there and, you know, Rob Kelly or Samaje P Ryan or, you know, starting or whoever. Um, but with Peterson there, maybe he's soaking up a few extra carries and it all kind of depends on how he looks. I mean, his yards per carry, which is not a, always a great stat. Um, he struggled over the last couple of seasons. He did carry a big workload for the Cardinals last year. So he proved that he could, uh, handle a lot of touches, uh, even though he was in the mid threes, uh, on his yards per carry. Uh, so the question is, are they bringing him in, you know, to look at him as a possible starter or are they, uh, you know, looking at him, figuring that Rob Kelly, who is apparently ahead of P Ryan, uh, Kelly has, you know, they call him fat Rob Kelly. He calls himself fat Rob Kelly, but he has apparently lost some weight and uh, is looking pretty spry. So we have to kind of watch this, uh, this uh, camp battle, uh, you know, right now, Peterson is going pretty late, double digit rounds uh, just over the last two days. So I'm interested to see where his ADP settles. I mean, I think in the, if you need a run, if you need like a fourth or fifth running back in the 10th to 12th rounds, I don't think it's a bad idea to just, you know, take a flyer on, on Peterson. Um, but he's not going to be involved in the passing game. He's not much of a pass catcher. That's going to be all Chris Thompson. So we're kind of looking at him, um, as a guy who could carry the ball 12 to 15 times. And that's pretty much it. So he's going to get game planned out or game flowed out. If they fall behind, um, he's probably going to need touchdowns in order to have big fantasy games. So um, that's kind of where we're at with Peterson right now. Let's talk about Peyton Barber. Uh, when asked if Peyton Barber, Peyton Barber has played like a starter this summer, Buccaneers head coach, Dirk Cutter said, yes. A lot of people said Ronald Jones is likely to emerge as Tampa Bay's starter. Instead, it's been Barber that has outperformed him in, in camp. And Cutter noted he's doing everything he should be doing right now. And I think if we went out there and gave it to Peyton 20 times, we'd like what he does, said Cutter, who also noted that maybe it could be a one-two backfield punch a la Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram in New Orleans. That seems to be uh, going way too far. But what are your thoughts on Peyton Barber? It looks like he's going to be the, num- the number one back in Tampa Bay heading into week one. Well, considering that Ronald Jones is struggling in the passing game, I don't see uh, Alvin Kamara type season for him. Right. Uh, Kamara is actually really good in the passing game. So that's a weird comparison to make. Um, but uh, if you look at what Barber did last year, he had seven games where he carried the ball at least 10 times. He averaged 14 carries, uh, 14.1 carries for 59 yards. It's uh, 4.2 yards per carry. He also had two catches for 15 yards per game in those two in those uh, uh, seven games. If you look at the final five games, though, where he really kind of took over as the starter, he averaged 18 touches for 84 yards and 0.2 touchdowns. Um, now the touchdowns seem a little low. He found he actually found the end zone twice before he started this giant workload. So in the in the week before, in week 12, he he scored twice. So he does have some touchdown potential as a goal line back as well. Uh, he's going with pick 110. It's early 10th round. I think he's the last. He's the last of the likely starters to you know running backs to go uh, off the board, and I think it's a good value for him there um, if you're trying to shore up, round out the running ba- running game. Uh, I'm typically at this point not. I'm looking at receiver or quarterback at this point in the draft, but you know I think 10th round for Barbers is really good value. One more note, then we'll get into um, some tight end tiers. So it looks like the Dolphins may start Frank Gore. Uh, Armando Seleguro of the Miami Heralds noted that the Dolphins may start Gore running back and give Kenyon Drake a lot of carries as the backup or vice versa. The point is that 
um, both will play a lot and factor in. So from a fantasy perspective, a lot of attention has been on Kenyon Drake, not Frank Gore. Gore was likely signed as the backup there. But again, according to uh, the Miami Herald, looks like both of them are going to factor in. So how do you how do you kind of gather the the uh, this from a fantasy perspective? What do you do moving forward? Well, I think Kenyon Drake is good, and I think that he proved last year that he can carry the load. Uh, when Gore was signed, I thought he'd come in as the backup and just sort of mentor the the backfield. And you know, he's playing. Or, you know, he's from Miami, so he's coming back home, uh, kind of a swan song. Uh, I I have Drake kind of ranked in the middle of the RB two uh, rank, rankings and projections. Um, so I'm a little, this is, I have to kind of look at this and see what the other beat writers are saying about the pecking order here and look a little closer at this. Uh, but you know, first inclination is you have to move him down a little bit, Drake. Um, you know, I, I still think he leads this team in touches. Um, and you know, they, the offensive line didn't grade particularly well, you know, looking at the play by play type stuff that, that they do over pro fantasy or pro football focus. Um, but, uh, they, I think they, I think that same article said that the, the offensive line had a 5.2 yards per carry and, uh, and all that. So, uh, you know, this is not a bad situation. I don't know how Miami's going to move the, you know, they're probably going to do pretty well moving the ball with Ryan Tannehill back under center. Um, the receiving core is decent. It's not great. Uh, I, I think that. Drake is still RB two, uh, but I have to look closer at this really to decide how far, much far, farther down I move him. I um, was pretty pretty bullish on him heading into the season. All right, let's get to some quarterback tiers. But before we do that, I like to kind of start off with your overall tight end strategy in 2018. Do you like to draft a stud tight end early? Really, it's Rob Gronkowski, Travis, Travis Kelsey, and Zach Ertz, as you'll note in tier one. Those are the three guys, and then it kind of falls off from there. Or do you wait until later in the draft since it's a onesie position? I have long been a advocate of drafting a tight end early. Uh, I, I made lots of money um, drafting Antonio Gates in the third round uh, over the years. And I still like to get a stud tight end at that point in the draft if I can. Uh, Zach Ertz is the guy that's most likely to be available in the third round. There's also a little bit of a drop-off in at running back, or there's a big drop off at running back at that in that round. There's a bit of a drop off at receiver if Larry Fitzgerald is off the board, in my opinion. So Ertz is a good guy to target um, in the third round. Uh, I, I wrote about this in my strategy article. Is that when I am formulating my draft plan, I often pick my a couple targets at quarterback and a couple targets at tight end, and then I build my draft around that. Like my rest of my players, like okay, who do I want in the first round, second round, fifth round, all that. So, you know, Ertz has been one of my guys, uh, you know, okay, I'm going to set aside my third pick for, for Ertz. You know, maybe I'm setting aside my 10th pick for a quarterback. Now who, where do I draft these other guys? You know, what, what, what wide receivers and running backs do I want in each one of these rounds? So that's sort of my strategy and that gives me a plan going in, but then I always have fallback options. If I don't get Ertz in the third, I have to have other guys I can target and we can talk about those guys as well. Speaking of which, let's do that in um, in tier order like we've done over the last couple of podcasts now with running backs and quarterbacks and wide receivers. That tier one, as you mentioned, Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, Rob Gronkowski. Any other thoughts on these guys before we move to tier two? 
Yeah, and you might notice that in PPR, I have Gronkowski after Kelsey and Ertz, and I just think you know he's more likely to get injured. So if I'm feeling a little saucy, I might take Gronkowski in the second, but I'm more likely just to wait and see if I can get Ertz in the third. All right, let's move on to Tier 2 then. Delaney Walker, I know you've been a big fan of in uh, previous years. Evan Ingram coming off a very successful rookie season for the Giants. You've got Greg Olson, who's still in Carolina, coming off a, an injury-marred injury season. And then Jimmy Graham, the latest toy for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Yeah, this is uh, Tier 2 is an interesting tier because there's some good talent here and guys that have been great fantasy tight ends for me and others in the past. But I think that... The next tier is actually the better value, so I don't. I'm not. I'm not ending up with a lot of Walker, Ingram, Olson, or Jimmy Graham in my drafts. Uh, Walker is was the benefit of a ton of targets over the last few years in Tennessee. I wonder. I know that they're going to go to a little bit more of a pass friendly uh, offense this year, but with Corey Davis coming on, Rashard Matthews, Taewon Taylor, uh, Deion Lewis coming out of the backfield, are they are there going to be enough targets for Walker to support you know, another top five season? Uh, I think if he's there in the seventh round, then I'm okay with that. Um, Evan Engram bucked the trend. He was uh, a rookie tight end that actually did something. We talked about the rookie tight ends and how much they struggle fantasy-wise. But he uh, benefited greatly from uh, Odell Beckham being out, Brandon Marshall getting injured, Sterling Shepard was in and out of the lineup. So he was the only guy that was there every week for Eli Manning. and I think he really benefited from that. I wonder... How much his targets dropped this year with uh, Beckham back? I don't know that they can. Um, he can maintain his workload. Uh, Olson, fantastic tight end. Uh, I'm really happy that the Bears traded him away. <laughs> that was like many years ago because he used to just kill the Packers every time he played them. Uh, but he's coming off the foot injury. Uh, he did get targeted significantly in the playoffs, if I remember correctly. So I'm not really too. I'm not too worried about his role. I just think his targets are getting pinched with Funchess, uh, DJ Moore, and now Christian McCaffrey soaking up a ton of targets. So um, he's not the number two option necessarily in the passing game anymore on a week-to-week basis. And I do like Jimmy Graham, I think, in uh, Green Bay. There's, there are those that say that Green Bay is where uh, tight ends, stud tight ends go to die. But I don't think that's the case with Graham. I think he uh, is still really athletic for the position. Um, we saw in the preseason uh, him catch a, a touchdown uh, pass in the end zone from Aaron Rodgers. He, I think he was a second read on that uh, play, but he's going to be probably the primary target along with Devontae Adams in the red zone. So, you know, an eight to 10 touchdown season is uh, possible for Graham. I, I wonder how much he'll be involved between the twenties. And if he is significantly involved, uh, then he's going to have a big year. I uh, like you, you kind of alluded to this earlier. I love this tier three, two guys uh, specifically, Jack Doyle, who's now an indie working with Frank Reich. And I know that, Andrew Luck's got to shake off the rust. Didn't look great in that preseason game that we saw the other night against the Ravens. But with the way the Eagles used Zach Ertz in Philly, I would like to believe that Frank Reich will also utilize his tight ends, Jack Doyle being the main um, you know, primary target there. Eric Ebron's also in the mix. You also have Kyle Rudolph in this tier. And then Trey Burton, who I love, I think the, the same thing. Uh, I've been banging the Chicago Bears drum recently, saying that this is going to be one of the more improved teams under Matt Nagy. I think Trey Burton benefits there as well. I agree. I have Burton lowest in this tier, and it's it's very tempting though to take him ahead of Doyle and and Rudolph because of the upside that you could kind of see with Burton. Um, if things come together for uh, this offense, and um, you know 
they're able to get more uh, out of the court, uh, Mitch Trubisky out of the quarterback position, uh, Matt Nagy. Uh, it looks like Burton, if you look at all the preseason uh, snaps, I just want to mention uh, uh, two guys on Twitter, Adam Levitan uh, and Graham Barfield, G-R-A-H-A-M Barfield, um, just how it sounds. They're doing a gr- some great work with uh, preseason snaps and workloads and things. And th- that's the best information I think that you can glean from the, the preseason is to see how much each player is playing with the starters and, you know, how many routes they're running, how many targets they're getting with the, from the starting quarterback. Um, Burton is playing a ton um, and he is, he's playing over 90% of the snaps with the starters and he's playing um, almost 50% of the snaps in the slot, which is where Travis Kelsey makes his money uh, in that uh, Kansas city offense. So I think Nagy is basically giving that role to Burton and he's uh, doing pretty well in the preseason. Uh, so I think there's maybe a bit more upside with Burton and like Jack Doyle, but I think Jack Doyle is really safe. Uh, I was a little bit worried about the Eric Ebron signing, but again, with the preseason snap percentages, he's playing over 90% with, with Andrew Luck while uh, Ebron is under 30% uh, snap uh, percentage with, with Luck. So I think Doyle is going to see a ton of work in that offense and he's going to be on the field a ton. So uh, he's an extremely safe pick in the ninth round. I think Burton's going in like the eighth round. And then Rudolph, um, you know, Kirk Cousins there. I think he's a real solid pick there in that same range as well if you miss out on both those other guys. All right, let's move on to Tier 4. The always injured or seemingly always injured Jordan Reed leads this group. David Njoku has got a lot of talent. He's in Cleveland, a very good pass-catching tight end out of Miami. Mike Gasecki is kind of a hot name right now as well. And George Kittle, I'm interested in your thoughts on George Kittle after the year he had last year. And then based on the talent that he has around him with Jimmy Garoppolo now, uh, Marquise Goodwin and playing in Kyle Shanahan's offense. So tier four. Yeah. Reed, uh, Njoku, Kittle, Gusecki. Uh, this is like the upside boom bust tier. I think uh, I, I am not drafting Jordan Reed in very many drafts. I don't think I have him at all. Uh, he's, he's just off the board before I'm willing to take him. He's usually off with this previous tier. Um, I just can't do it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Njoku, I'm with you on that. I, I did yeah. it last year, and I, I regret it. I completely agree. Yeah, and he's having another pretty healthy offseason, although he had bones removed from his foot so uh, or toes. I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm out. Uh, Njoku is having a great camp. Uh, I think that the thing there you have to look at is his playing time. He played 47% last year, but uh, per Adam Levitan, he's playing 94% of the first team snaps this year, so they seem – fully committed to him as an every down or nearly every down uh, tight end. So, and he's a, he's just a, he's built like a, I just saw somebody say he's built like a statue, like a Greek statue. Uh, so uh, he's on the uh, hard knocks as well on, uh, on HBO. And um, he, he just is a, it, lo- it looks like he's making some good catches in, in practice, even though he's having some drop issues as well. I think he's got a lot of upside and is ready to have a breakout year. Uh, George Kittle, has produced already. Uh, he played 72% of the snaps in his first eight games. So he, they were already playing him as a, as a near starter uh, at the position uh, before he had a leg injury, but then he came back uh, his final three receiving lines with Jimmy Garoppolo, four for 52, three for 42 and a touchdown and four uh, for a hundred. And that was on 14 targets in his last three games. So he was involved in the offense at the end of the season last year. He's, uh, been making plays in pre uh, in camp, although he's, he's sidelined with an injury right now. 
he's got a lot of upside as well. And Gasicki or Gasecki is starting for the Dolphins. He's yet to make a catch in the preseason. So um I, I would take uh I would actually take Kittle over Gasecki right now, uh just because of the maybe the struggles in preseason and maybe that being a rookie tight end is going to show up and he's going to have some more up and down seasons, whereas Kittle maybe be a little bit more uh, consistent for, for, for fantasy owners. All right. Tier five, Jared Cook. You love him. You love this guy. You bring him up all the time. Every week, you got to mention Jared Cook. Uh, so I'm really interested to, to hear how you're going to finagle your way into taking Jared Cook in every single draft this year. Uh, but he leads off tier five. You also have Tyler Eifert, OJ Howard, Austin Safarian Jenkins, Eric Ebron, we mentioned before, Ricky Seals Jones, and Charles Clay. Yeah, you know, I don't love Jared Cook, and you know I don't love Jared Cook. I I liked him a little bit with the Packers. I mean, he's a good athlete, but he's just he has his big game or two and then doesn't do anything uh for stretches of games. So he's more of a okay, I punted the position. I need somebody that's gonna play a lot of snaps and will occasionally give me a good game and you're going to grab, you know, you're going to grab cook and then maybe you grab another upside tight end like Ricky seals Jones or something uh, later in the draft or actually before cook. Uh, you could probably get cook very, very late because everybody seems to have the same opinion that you do of him. So Tyler Eifert uh, is really the intriguing name here uh, in 22 games over the last three years with Andy Dalton. He's averaged 3.7 catches for 46 yards, 0.77 touchdowns per game. Now, if you were able to play a full season, that would be top five, top three numbers at the position. So, you know, he's if he's going 11th, 12th round, you know, I don't mind him at all. Uh, I think he's an upside tight end too. A lot of fantasy analysts say don't draft more than one tight end, but I think it's okay if you're drafting somebody as your second tight end that has a ton of upside like Eifert. Uh, I think Ricky Seals-Jones is another guy who has got a lot of upside. Uh, he's playing starter snaps for the for the Cardinals he was highly highly productive uh in limited snaps last year so if he's able to play 80 90 percent of the snaps he could you know turn in a tight end one season you know OJ Howard is a little bit limited by Cameron Brait there we've got quarterback changes going on in midseason for them uh Austin Safarian Jenkins uh the Jags have been trying to address the tight end position for years now and uh they brought him in he had I think 50 catches last year uh, for the Jets, if I read, if I remember incorrectly, um, big athletic, everything you want physically from a tight end position with Safarian Jenkins, but uh, hasn't been able to put it together for a full season yet. And he's going to have a chance to play quite a bit for the for the Jaguars. So there's some upside there as well. Eric Ebron, um, I mentioned the playing time concerns. I think they're concerns now, but they were really talking up Ebron, moving him all over the field um, in preseason or in uh, in camp. And talking him up as a great player, but uh, then he's not playing very much with Andrew Luck, so that's a little concerning. Charles Clay is another Jared Cook type, where he's probably the best receiver. Clay is probably the best receiver on the on the Bills, um, and the most trustworthy option there. Uh, so we'll see if he has the same sort of workload as he did in the previous years. But his knee or his knees, you just worry about them a little bit. Whether or not he's going to be healthy every every week for you. All right, Tier 6, this will wrap it up. Tier 6, Hayden Hurst, Vance McDonald, Austin Hooper, Cameron Brait, Ben Watson, Luke Wilson, and Ed Dixon, who uh, is somehow still in the league. Yeah, Dixon's uh, going to probably start for the Seahawks after they, they went from Graham, Jimmy Graham to Ed Dixon. Uh, he's not a bad athlete. I find that sometimes guys that have funny names um, end up being a little bit underrated. It's- <laughs> 
That's a weird. That's a weird thing like, to say. I know, but Ed Dixon. I mean, you don't think like you think of Ed Dixon, you think of like you know a fifty-five-year-old white guy who works down at the pharmacy or something. But um, <laughs> he's a uh, he's actually got some good speech. Good old, I'm gonna go down to the I'm gonna go down to the corner go see my man Ed Dixon. I'm going to the Dixon Pharmacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, to pick up my prescription. Uh, <laughs> but he's got good speed. They There's a lot of opportunity in the Seattle um, passing game with, with Graham gone, uh, with Paul Richardson gone. So the, he, Dixon's going to have a couple of big games, trust me. I just don't know when they're going to be. Uh, so this is more like best ball type level where you're drafting your second or third uh, tight end. But Hayden Hurst, uh, the uh Early round draft pick, first round draft pick, I think for the uh, for the Ravens. Uh, obviously, a lot of opportunity there. Dennis Pitt is out of the way. Um, Vance McDonald uh, probably going to start as the receiving tight end for the uh, for the Steelers. Uh, he's been dealing with a foot injury. Austin Hooper, you know, you know all about him being a Falcons fan. I don't have to tell you anything about him. Yeah. He's out in the field a lot. Mm-hmm. Just doesn't produce a lot. Uh, Cameron Brait always a threat for touchdowns, but you wonder if he's going to keep up his snap rate and. Uh, the tight end or the quarterback uh, switch for the first part of the season, I think hurt him a little bit. Ben Watson is interesting. He's old, but uh, especially in daily, like if he's uh, healthy for a game uh, playing back in uh, new Orleans, he had his best season uh, there. I think for the, uh, for the saints, I think he could, as long as he's healthy, he's just from a, from a redraft standpoint, you know, counting on him to be healthy for a full season at his age. I think he's 36 or 37. Uh, is a little bit dicey, but uh, as a tight end two or three, that's not bad. And then Luke Wilson uh, taking over for Ebron in, in uh, Detroit. He could play quite a bit for the for the Lions. Uh, showed some re- decent receiving chops when he was in Seattle. I won't spend a lot of time talking about Austin Hooper since this is uh, tier six, but you know I've, I've got a chance to watch him. He he to me was so I don't want to say a massive disappointment last year, but he he had deep deep sleeper appeal. And they used him quite a bit, and it seemed like he would have uh, a fair amount of key drops and just didn't live up to the hype. I will say this. He spent the entire offseason. I know that I don't want to turn – this is going to be a a crutch argument. Trust me, I'm not trying to talk you in Austin Hooper. But he did spend the entire offseason in Atlanta. He was going back home to California where he's from. In the previous two offseasons, he spent a lot of time with with Matt Ryan. And for what it's worth, the first – the second um, no, I'm sorry. The first drive last preseason game. So the second preseason game, him and Ryan hooked up twice, and including a touchdown. So he looks he looks better. But you know, in that offense with so many mouths to feed, I'm again, I'm not going to convince you to, to take him late. But it looks like he could have a have some upside this off season or this season. Yeah, and and, and fantasy owners need to remember that tight end is a tough position to learn, mm-hmm. and sometimes it takes a two or three years for a player really to emerge and, and fulfill his potential. So we're not writing off Hooper. He is going to play quite a bit. I think as a second or third tight end, he's not a bad guy to grab him best, uh, best ball. Or, you know, I could consider him an upside player as well um, along the lines of Ricky Seals Jones, because he's going to, he's going to start and play a lot for the, for the Falcons. And maybe he and uh, Matt Ryan put it together. Certainly. And he is the number, number one tight end, clear number one tight end in Atlanta. So that that's all, that's also kind of another, uh, feather in his cap. All right, that's it for today. Remember to use the code TMAP to get 10% off any subscription at 4 for 4. Next week's pod will cover late uh, later risers and John's final thoughts before the last big draft weekend. Can't believe it's here. Um, it's or at least drawing close. We've got college football next week starting. It's just it's amazing that uh, the football season 
is right upon us. Follow John on Twitter at 444 underscore John. You can follow me as well at Anthony Stalter. We'll see you next time on the Most Accurate Podcast. Oh, 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 oh,